So, and I'll let you know when we're live. I got to go back markets, maybe because of the weather. I'm having a hard time. Uh, we'll see. Well, going on YouTube live. I'm doing it right now. We'll see what happens. Okay, gentlemen, we are hey. live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We did it again. I don't know how we always do it, but somehow we have Bill managed to figure it out. Here we are. Uh, welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm with my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? I can't believe that uh, we got on the air with all this snow out there. I mean, I, I haven't even been out of my house today. I'm afraid to go out there, you know? Because I definitely don't want to, I don't want to shovel, that's for sure. <laughs> I know, listen, uh, all three of us right now, the best advice is um, hire some young buck to do it, man. It's worth the 50 bucks, whatever it is, because we are at an age right now where we could get a heart attack and die. Um, <laughs> that's for sure, man. I'm kidding, man. I'm telling you the truth. Our guest tonight is uh, a retired NYPD lieutenant. He's also an acclaimed author of three books, uh, Harlem Raiders, Behind the Shield, uh, and one other one, um, Harlem Raiders is, is the, the bestseller there. Uh, horrific crimes New York City faced in the 70s and 80s. Your author, your retired police, uh, police lieutenant, Peter J. Pranzo. What's up, folks? There's his book. It's on the screen, Harlem Raiders. How are you guys? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege, as always. You know, you look good, Peter. Yeah? Yeah, man, you're holding up good. Yeah, I was uh, out shoveling snow today. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, yeah, moving it around. Yeah, you did, right? Yeah, you're crazy. Decks and stuff like that, you know. And then uh, tomorrow, the snowblower, the guy, the landscaper, will come and do the snow. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a. I went out there a couple of times just to clear the path so I can open my yeah. door when I want to leave tomorrow. And it was, it was that, it was light snow. It wasn't really that, that heavy wet snow at first. Now I think it's, it might be a change, but because yeah. it's a little bit here. You know, Cuomo said to stay off the roads, and then he drove down from Albany. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is that what he did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, before we go any further, um, we have a special announcement. Uh, Bill and I have our first sponsor, and um, we want to read you some copy right now. So uh, here we go. Listen up, guys and gals. It's on the yeah. screen, Mark. I was able to no, pull not. it up on the it's screen. Not. It's, it's not. not. Oh, my God. You got to, uh, can you click on the uh, particular? Uh, Is it there thing? now? Can no. you see it? No. Okay. All I right. don't know what the deal is. Go, just keep talking. I see. Uh, what I see is uh, everything. Like your whole, like your actual screen of things to pick. You just have to pick which one yeah. you want. Okay. Can I'll, you do I'll that? Give it a shot. Yep. I'll give it a shot right now. Nope. Go ahead. Keep, just read the copy. 
I'll get it I, up there. I'd like to start the copy with the uh, so everything so it's not jiggling around. Can you see it? Yeah, there it goes. There it is. All right, so here we go. You ready? Listen up, <laughs> guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City hot sauce is made in small batches with pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City hot sauce. There's several flavors from mild to wild. You got to see the labels. Each sauce features awesome original artwork, which I'll show you in a second. Um, check out Bobby's Big Chipotle, Aztec Attack, Badass Jew, which I have a feeling that one's the best one because Jews know how to eat. <laughs> Slurp, Mango Madness, Climate Change, Maple Dragon, Killer Hot, and Ghost Whisperer. Go to Silk City Hot Sauce. That's one word, silkcityhotsauce.com. Enter the coupon code OTC for a 15% discount. But wait, that's not all. There's also going to, they're also going to throw in a free bottle of cherry sriracha. So, uh, Bill, take down that picture, and I just want to show a little bit of this fancy artwork. That's you got there. it, man. All right, so uh, this is some of the artwork that we're talking about right there. It's actually pretty cool. Every single, this one's called Slurp. This is the, uh, this is the killer hot. Hold on one second. Oh my God. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. The works really, and they're all. They're how, can, all how can we get one of these in Hillary Clinton's purse? <laughs> I know, really, right? <laughs> That'd be a gold mine. But I actually tried them all, and uh, they're awesome. They really are. They're so, so good. So I'm actually happy that, um, you know, what we, what the sponsor that decided to get on board with us actually gave us a product that is really, really good. Um, I've tried three out of the five. And uh, I love hot sauce. And this is probably the best that I've ever had. So there you go. SilkCityHotSauce.com. Put in your promo code OTC for a 15% discount. All right. Now back to the show. What's up, Peter? How are you? Where are you anyway? I forgot in where you live. I'm in my beach house here on Long Island. Oh, okay. What do you buy? The water over there? Yeah, right on the water, right on Cedar Beach and Mount Sinai. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's rocking and rolling now. Big waves. It's it's wild, you know. Do you take uh, a walk on the beach in the winter a lot or what? All the time. Just bundle yes. up, wear the gloves, hats. It's beautiful, right? It's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It's all good. You know, but you know, it, this time of year we'll usually take our, our warm weather vacations. We go to Aruba, Cayman Islands, go uh, to Florida for a little bit. Uh, you know, a week at a time and it gives us a break. Now with the virus, you can't go anywhere, you know. I went to Aruba. It was a big pain in the ass, I'll tell you that. Yeah, why? Oh, now you went, you mean? Yeah, I went in November. You had to get tested twice before you left, twice before you came back. Well, once before you came back, once after that. Um, the airports were very light, though. Yeah. You know, you can navigate the airports very easily. Um, that was, that was a, it's just, it's just a pain in the ass, like having to take the tests and, and, and they're always changing. They flip the script on you, you know, like you in the middle of your vacation, you're getting notifications that you, you got a quarantine for 14 days. You know, you get nervous. Am I going to be allowed in the country again? It's like, it's, but while you're there, you actually get a break mentally, yeah. but you live on the water anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but it's cold here by the water in the winter, so we'd like to get away for, you know, that little bit. It gives you that little bit of a break, and then you're uh -huh. ready to go, you know. Why don't you enough. just move down to Florida? No, I, I tell you, we like, the, the kids are up here. Okay, you know, there you one's go. One's on Long Island, the other one's upstate with the families and such. 
And, uh, you know, the old-fashioned thing, you know, you still like the seasons. We like it, you know. As long as they get away for a few weeks at a time, it's just enough, you know. Yeah, Did you sign up for the uh, vaccine yet or what? Uh, yeah. We're supposed to be going to uh, Stony Brook in March. Okay. Uh, Stony Brook Hospital for the shot. March? So, uh, you know, March? In March? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Yeah, what's not good? Uh, hey, look. I, I mean, you, you should have got it. You should have been one of the first ones, man. Your age and your your, yeah. your, uh, your oh, history. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't. You know, listen. No offense, man. I see people that I know my age. I don't know what kind of hookup they got. Talking about they have their. They just got their second COVID shot, and yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're my age right now. No, like, no offense. Listen, if you got a hookup, do you? But don't freaking yes. post about it because there's people yeah. out there that are, you know, got 20 years on you still haven't gotten the freaking shot. Yeah, so something's miss. Something's going wrong right now. Yeah, I'd be embarrassed to say you got the shot now, you know. So I, I'd rather wait, wait my turn, and, and that's it, you know. You know, Pete, we had always thought that they were going to make some exception for 9-11 first responders, that we would get some consideration. And no, no, you know. Yeah. You know, what happened is that uh, with the administration the way it is now, that'll never happen. You know? No. Things changed, right? The way well, this guy's getting a beating anyway, Cuomo, because he just came out with this article. And, you know, you can deny it up and down all you want. But the truth is, you know, you, you, you were in charge when and, and you made that, uh, that error of putting, yeah. uh, right. you know, COVID patients inside um, nursing homes, which just sounds it, it's on the surface. It sounds stupid. Yeah, you know, it just sounds like a dumb idea. Yeah, it yet, sounds career-ending, doesn't it? Sounds like the end of his career. He'll probably win the next election in a landslide. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, some some uh, some Republican just put in a notice asking him to step aside today, which is you know, it's just um, politics. It's just a show, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he's he's going to laugh at that, you know. But um, it, it, he definitely this guy's. On one hand, he really thinks he's like a savior. That's the mental, that's the um, the narcissist in him. Yeah. And he thinks he's a savior, but the reality is, and nobody could change his opinion. He thinks he really did the right thing. Yeah. And his father was very liberal. You know, the whole family was, you know, his mother and father and such. But, uh, uh, but they were straight shooters. They were good people, you know? I think, yeah, I remember Cuomo and I always remember him as a good guy. Yes. I remember also him running for president. He got freaking, you know, that yeah. turned out to be another catastrophe. But I remember him being a good guy. But at the time, they said that, oh, he'd never win because he's Italian. Yeah. Remember that? Times change. Hey, who knows? You know, I, 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 you know they also said the same thing that, uh, you know, Kenny would, Kennedy would never win because he was a Catholic. So, right. that, like you said, times change. Now it's, uh, yep. you know. And now I heard, uh, who was it, AOC? The, uh, the uh, Congress uh, Congress girl, I uh, heard she's going to run against Schumer for New York for senator. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you know, the irony of it all is you still couldn't run as an Italian Catholic right now because you definitely lose because now's, now's the time. Now's not the time to be white and Catholic. No, no you're not going to get anywhere. I think we should run on the police off the cuff platform. Maybe you know? we will one day. Yes. There's, I like that idea. There seems to be a lot of people running for mayor of this city. Um, we got a, we had a, a Pepitone uh, on the show, 
and he's running and he's got uh, he's doing his social media thing out there i see him posting every day almost he took uh, he took my advice um and uh you know he's getting his word out there but um also there's a comedian named stacy prussman she's running for mayor you know but she posted something that was i thought was interesting and you guys might too like every single person who's running for mayor or any office nowadays has to post this thing a part of their platform it says police reform i don't even know what that means police reform yeah. so right off the bat you're telling me like you got to make you got to make something up like you're going to make the police department better like i don't know what, what needs what needs to be better people commit crimes yeah uh, you want the police to go after them and arrest them well we they, they ran from uh, defund the police get rid of the police fire the police no police department defund the police so now they've, they've jumped to, uh, let's reform the police. That's a little safer spot, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Well, they did just come down with something from the state, a list of reforms, and that if each municipality doesn't adopt it, Cuomo's going to cut the funds coming from the state to that <laughs> municipality. They should, cut his, they should cut his salary. And you know why that's so Prohibit him from naming bridges after family members, you know? <laughs> And you know why that's so stupid? It, the idea that you can cut police funding anywhere, especially in high crime areas, is absurd. Because all you're going to do is allowing more crime to happen. And then what are you going to need? More cops. Yeah. So it's just absurd. They hate having to need us. They love using us as scapegoats to take their fucking shots. But um, they also, you know, they can't do without us. Yeah, you, you know, uh, Mark, and, and I, I've often said it, I've told you guys my feelings on it, and I, I was listening to uh, Chief uh, Mike, what the heck was he? he was on Mike Blake, night. Mike Blake. Blake. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy, fantastic great, guy. Cool guy, great reputation. And what he was saying is that, you know, the police departments have to, have to just roll with the situations as they're in front of them. And, uh, and he was saying... That, uh, well, this is not the time for people to join police departments around America or especially New York. And I agree 100% with him. Take the job. It's a good job. Times are different. When I came on the job in 68, all the guys, all the uh, World War II veterans were leaving, you know, the uh, police department. And they were saying back then, hey, kid, I'm glad I'm out of here. The job is horrible. Changed. <laughs> I'm gone. That's 1968. And every few years, the next guys will get out. I'm out of here. You know, it's horrible. You know? Hey, Pete, were you one of the guys that was advising us to take a pension loan every six months? <laughs> no, but we all did. I, well, that's because the old timers advised did. us to. Yeah, Bill. When you had to pay the bills in the house. Uh, all right. I, 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 bought, I bought my engagement ring with a there pension loan. I wouldn't have my wife. She would have left me for a richer guy if I didn't buy her an engagement ring. No way I could get $2,400 unless I took a pension loan, you know? Yeah. Hey, uh, let, let's give a shout out to the people that are tuning in. I don't know where you're from. Uh, mention that in your chat, please, because right now we're in New York City. We got hit by um, a massive snowstorm. It's crazy outside. And uh, so I got Mike Cologne, MC Audio. Hello, hello. Nice to see everyone. And congrats on the sponsor, guys. Pass some of that sponsor revenue down to me. <laughs> uh, Melody McAtee. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mark. Hi, Peter. Thank you for being here. Um, cheated. Cheated no more. more. Cheated no more. That's her, her screen name. Cheat 
and do more. Okay. No, cheated no more. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's me. I'm not, I'm I learned the hard way. Good evening, gentlemen, from Joe Chris. Lake Izzard. Cuomo is a joke. Yeah, you know, Rachella's in the next room shouting out to us. She could, she could just go behind Pete and make some obscene gestures, you know, if she wanted to. <laughs> Ryan Investigative Group. They will miss us when we're gone. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Andy Torres, Albuquerque, New Mexico. How's the weather in Albuquerque right now, Andy Torres? <laughs> and Cheated No More is from La Crescentas, uh, California. Man, God bless you guys, man, who tune in. Andy Torres from Albuquerque, New Mexico. God bless you for... Uh, and uh, Lake Lizard, St. Louis. I'm here from Duty Ron's channel. Thank, uh, we always give a shout out to Duty Ron because uh, he he definitely hooked us up with a lot of his listeners, uh, you know, I, you, it's rare that you meet really good people. Yeah. Man. That guy's a great guy, man. Yeah, Duty Ron's been hooking us up. His fans have been coming to watch us. Uh, talking about that, you know, this is Peter Pranzo's uh, second time on our show. And yeah. he's sort of from a different era. He was uh, back in like the 70s, the 80s, but he, he paid his dues. He was in uh, the 3-2. Was it the Gambino crime family put a hit on you because you were hurting the drug trade there? Yeah. What happened? Tell us about that again. Yeah. Well, you know, what happened is that we had the uh, the Harlem Raiders, which what that the book was about. And uh, we had a diverse narcotics team. And we went out and we wound up uh, from low crime uh, type of arrests, minor crimes, all the way up to uh, heavy duty uh, arrests. And uh, we wound up making 8,000 arrests. Uh, that was in one square mile in the 32nd Precinct Central Harlem. And that was the uh, focus point for uh, heroin selling in America was Harlem. And uh, what happened was uh, the uh, mafia, there was a few crime families. And Gambino put up all the money to, uh, to all the other crime families. And, uh, and we were hurting them. Uh, it was a multi, multi-million dollar operation. And uh, by taking all the people off the street, that's all the, all the uh, Harlemite drug dealers and all the, uh, the buyers from out of the state, uh, we, we, we knocked out their trade a lot. And uh, so he put up the money and it was an open contract. Uh, and it was for anybody to take uh, me, the family, and to... Uh, Take uh, the community leader, uh, Rita Webb Smith. They wanted her dead uh, because she was working with us, you know. And uh, so it was just an open contract. And we got that from the intelligence unit from the NYPD. Sent me all the paperwork come flying up from downtown and gave everything. And what was it about? And the protection for the family, that whole situation, you know, the radio home and all that stuff. But uh, and uh, and that's pretty much it. But here I am. My how long, how long did that, how long did that last? Open contract until I left the precinct, right through. Right, so it was right a couple of years. Oh, it lasted a few years. Yeah, until yeah. 1984. Yeah. Wow. 1984, and and they used to call me up all the time from the intelligence uh, that people were, you know, what they were saying. You know, they had all the informants around the intel. I have to tell you, uh, NYPD, as far as letting you know was very good. And they asked, do you want to take some time off? You know, I, I couldn't, I needed the overtime. I, I couldn't leave my team behind, you know? Uh -huh. So I said, if you wanted to take time off and, and that kind of a thing, change of assignment. And of course, you know, you don't back down. You, you hit them harder, you know? 
Did you uh, did you tell your wife about this? How oh, did yeah, that? Knew everything. Yeah, they used to call, and I had, she, they call her up, the desk officer, and tell when Pete walks in the door, I'll have him call the desk. You know, so uh -huh. she knew everything. And my, just to make sure that you got home okay. Well, you got home. You know. Uh huh. So it, it was at the time it was pretty serious. You know, and and but you took it with a grain of salt. You know, when you're in that work mode, you know, you you find yourself. You're doing things it's where you would drop in that at that part of uh, your life and you just do it you suffer through it and you, you do your job yeah, so, it. yeah it's not coming up bill it's not oh because no. this is a there's a picture of pete at metal day receiving the medal of valor and he has those gross mutton chops <laughs> some of the pictures come up some of coming up some of them are okay so I uh, to share this, that, idea, but... this idea that you know whenever because there's a couple of um you know, mobsters now that have podcasts as well. Sammy the Bull has a podcast. Michael Franchese has a podcast. Who knows? Uh, and, and they get all these other mobsters. And this idea that, um, you know, if they were just being a cop, you know what I'm saying? That was their job. And, uh, you know, this was our job. And, you know, if you got caught, you got caught, you know. But it's bullshit because you were hitting them hard. And all of a sudden, they're putting contracts out on cops' lives. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that sort of changed because years back, they didn't want the attention on them. So they, they laid in the background. They didn't involve themselves with the police whatsoever. All they did uh, was supply the money. You know, they supplied the money to bring the uh, raw heroin, the opiate from the poppy fields of Turkey back in that day. That's the, that was the big uh, uh, farm uh, uh, country where you had to bring the, to cut the, uh, the farmers they had cut the uh, opiate plants, the poppy plants, and then ship them down over to uh, by boat over to uh, Palermo, uh, Sicily, and up into labs. And they would refine it in the labs in Sicily, up in the hills. Put them on the olive boats, uh, boats you know, in the key, two-pound uh, uh, packages, and then put them on the olive boats and send them to the Fulton Fish Market. Uh, and then from there they'd send it to the Bronx, and then in the Bronx. They had uh, hundreds of Puerto Ricans up there, uh, women, children, you know, they were all cutting up all the uh, heroin, straight heroin, no fentanyl back then, no mixing, just the lactose. And they put it in diamond quarter bags, glassines, little stamp type envelopes. From there, they'd bring them over to Harlem early in the morning and, uh, and sell them on the streets of Harlem. And it was a multi-million dollar, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars operation, you know. Let me ask you a question because, you know, we're going through, well, we were going through an opiate, opioid epidemic here in the States and it's kind of taken a back seat to the pandemic. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you, you go through a lot of towns, not really so much uh, the urban towns like the city where people are moving, hustling and bustling, but you get a little bit upstate and you go to other, like, uh, I know there's a big, uh, you know, my girlfriend tells me there's a big problem. There was a big problem in Massachusetts where you go to certain towns and everybody's hooked on these opioids. Right. And, uh, back then though, because when people are hooked on the opioids, you could tell they have a certain way about them the same way back then in the seventies, I would only imagine that, you know, when everybody's hooked on heroin, that it's an odd thing to see, so many people just walking around like and kind of sort of nodding out everywhere. Yeah, that's the, the TV movie. What's the TV movie with the, the dead people walking? Uh, what is Zombies. Uh, Zombies. Dead, uh, what, what's um, 
The Walking Dead. Or walking, walking Dead, walking yeah, dead. The Walking yeah, Dead, right. That's a good show. It's a, it's I remember when I first came on the job, I w- would go up uh, Manhattan <laughs> Avenue into the 2-8, and you'd see these people with the elephantitis legs. Oh, uh, the ulcers, yeah. Right, yeah, because yeah. the legs blew up from getting blew infected up. from yeah. chewing heroin into their legs, right? Yeah, and a lot well, of those guys were veterans, were yeah. uh, Korean War veterans. I had a lot of them in the shooting galleries, and they would carry around their medals in their pockets. Oh you my know, God! The, the the, Usually, the, though, if your legs blew up like that, you would get gangrene and you'd wind up losing your leg, right? Yeah, you were done. You know, yeah. That was the end of it. There, within a few months later, six months, it depends. You'd find people dead all over the shooting galleries. You know. Yeah. And what happened is that they spread it uh, from Harlem. Uh, their their plan was to move it outside of uh, Harlem. So people used to go to Harlem to to uh, buy score. Yeah, to buy, you know, to score. And then they beat it down and mix it again and take it to the outside communities. Uh, but then their idea was, hey, look, let's bring the uh, heroin outside the community. But uh, with the DEA and everything else, it, it sort of put a kibosh on the heroin train. And then it went to cocaine, the crack epidemic and all that other nonsense. And now it's back because it's coming from Mexico. You're right. Let me tell you something. It is back. I, you know, I go to Washington Heights periodically to visit my grandmother. God bless her. She's still alive. She's like 96 years old. She's been in that same apartment, you know, for like probably 60 years right now, 55 years at least right there on 180th and Broadway. And um, the funny thing is, is like, it's back. Like I, I walked around the corner to go get something from the store for, for my grandmother. And uh, it was early evening. And as soon as I walked around the corner, I saw this guy. And you could just tell he just got out of prison, you know, because he was all like, uh, like Bill always says, cock diesel. And he was grilling. <laughs> this guy was grilling everybody, you know what I'm saying? That was walking past him like this. And, you know, I'm six foot four. If somebody grills me, we're probably going to have a problem. So as soon as I came around the, pro- uh, the corner and I saw this guy there, just like walking up to people, grilling him like he's a menace right now, right? And I'm like, oh, this is this is definitely going to be a, a situation right now. So I'm getting myself mentally ready. I got my hands out. I got them in front of my face. And then as soon as I, I am approaching him, the guy kind of sort of nods out. Like he goes into his junkie <laughs> lean. Yeah. And then I said, oh, my God, thank God he's a junkie. So then I went into the store. I got uh, the supermarket. I got everything I needed. And now I'm on my way out. And he's back to grilling everybody again because he came out of his, like, stupor a little bit. So I was like, oh. Fuck, I got to wait him out. So another lady was going to go out. I said, no, 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 just wait. Wait, he's going to be fine. And then like a minute passed, and then he went back into his super, and then we walked out, and we just went about our way. We used to to call that the methadone bop. You know, they would just do... That's right. Their head would come two inches from scraping the ground, but they'd never touch the ground, you know? That's correct. Yeah, they get into into it, but it lasts like a minute or two, and then they get back to wherever they were, like they wake up to reality and they come back. And so we just, I just happened to wait him out. I know, I know what's going to happen here. He's going to go back into his, his bop and then we'll, we'll walk out. And that's exactly what happened. In the middle of this whole thing, we just walked out. You know, Pete, I remember we had, we had a homicide in the two, three and this guy just got out of prison and he was like all jacked up. Like he was scary looking, you know? Yeah. And he goes over to this 19 year old kid and goes, I don't know if you know who I am. But this used to be my spot for I went for I went away, and I'm taking it back. You know what the kid did? He pulled out a nine and shot him dead. That's right. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think this spot is your spot. Chased him across the projects, fired about ten shots at him. 
The guy died on his front doorstep. Oh, God. Yeah, you so know, he didn't get his spot back. <laughs> what happened was, and, you know, so all that, to get all the uh, heroin from one spot to another and over from Sid to Sicily then, and then to, uh, to New York City and to sell it for $10 for a, a bag of heroin on the street, right? Okay. Now it comes from Mexico. And my understanding now, you, you get the, a, a hit of heroin, a glassine for three, four, five dollars. It's the same price as marijuana. You wow. gotta be kidding me, right? So that's the problem today. And it's in all neighborhoods. You know, heroin now is everywhere. Uh, so that's the difference, you know, that it's everywhere and it's cheap. No longer, you know, $10 years ago, you know, you had to rob and beat people and whatever you had to do. Yeah, well, heroin created a bigger crime problem, I think, than, than crack initially, right? But then yeah. crack, I yeah. think, because the high was so short yeah. that people would smoke it up and then they had to get high again. They had to do a robbery or break into a car, break yeah. into a house, do all kinds of things like that. Yeah, you know what happened, Bill? Uh, it, it was so lucrative, the selling end of it. They used to kill each other every day. You know, you had bodies all over the place. And what right. is this? well, they were fighting over territory. Somebody would take a bag and beat it down, jump in the hallway and uh, and sell it there. Right. It was, wasn't his territory, you know, a young kid or something. And they'd kill him, you know, right. done in the homicide rate. You know how high it was back then. And, uh, you know, hundreds of bodies all over the place. They shoot each other up. And, and, and well, you know, Pete, Washington Heights became like the home invasion capital of the world. Yeah. And for most people that aren't from New York City back in the 90s and uh, the 2000s, the home invasions weren't burglaries. What they were is they thought they were going into a drug apartment and it was to do a rip. And then they would they operated. Some of these guys would repel from the rooftop and they had radios. They were very sophisticated. Yeah. And then they used to have someone they called a Nancy Knocker. And this was a little young woman who looked very unthreatening. She would knock on the door and they'd open it and then the team would go in there like emergency service, except it was a reverse emergency service. It was the drug dealer emergency service. And then they would, sometimes they would torture the, the people in the apartment because yeah. they wouldn't give up where the drugs or the money was. And yeah. frequently they would hit the wrong apartment and torture innocent people. Yeah. You know? Similar to what we did, we hit the wrong apartment sometimes. Yeah, that happened. Yep. Back in the day, you get away with it easier than today, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things uh, I, I had to go reinvestigate this, a woman, uh, her last name was Spruill, and uh, the 2-5 SNU team with emergency service threw a flashbang into the wrong apartment, and she died of a heart attack. Uh, Alberta Spruill was her name. Uh, and uh, when they brought the, uh, the CI up, and they said, which was apartment was it? He was doing like one of these, you know? He didn't know. He was this guy was unswearable, but he he picked the wrong apartment. He issued to a flashbang into the wrong apartment. She died of a heart attack. Horrible, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know what happened. It was easier for us only because what they're dealing with today is a, it's a whole different thing, you know. But it was easier for us because uh, where the, most of the drug dens were, where they were using the drugs, selling the drugs, and all that, were abandoned buildings, and they were city-owned buildings. Right. So we could just sledgehammer them, you know, take the doors off, go in, clean them out, take everybody. And it was all good, you know, so you knew who you had, you know. And then uh, on the street was a little bit more difficult, you know, doing the sweeps, which we could do uh, back then, the sweeps, because it was considered we work with the district attorney's office and had the paperwork in line. With like those trespass affidavit buildings, right? Good. 
Yes. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, and the catacomb locations sure. that gave us the right to do the sweeps. They didn't like them, but the, uh, but the community liked them, you know, and we were careful and we warned everybody, believe it or not, you know, after you start taking this to people over and over again, everybody knew uh, that's it. They were gone. So you hit the block a couple of times and you go on the next time, hey, where's, where's all the, there's nobody out, you know, because they knew uh, that they were going to get picked up and taken. And then, of course, even if it was only uh, trespass and disorderly conduct, the summonses uh, at the narcotic prone locations for a lot of them and, and, and misdemeanor possessions and such, nobody showed up in court. Right. Well, now you got warrants on. Thousands. That's where Mark came in. Uh, Mark was in warrants. He had to pick know, these guys Mark, up. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, you're talking about a whole chain of uh, yeah. investigative and police work that's yeah. not being done right now, and right. so those problems won't go away. That's for sure. Not not under this uh, this current administration. Um, cheated no more. Said had to escape from a boyfriend who got addicted to crack. Scary as hell. Became violent. Uh, Phil D, Larry, Larry Davis. Yes, I most Larry of his stickups in the three four, and we had uh, who was it? Rick Martinez on the show. Yes, yeah. That was actually involved in the uh, the attempt to apprehend Larry Davis. He actually he shot it out with Larry Davis. He saved a few ESU cops' lives by banging yeah. out with him. You know, That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, you should check that episode out. We had Rick Martinez. He was an ESU police officer at the time, and he was at the scene when. They went to apprehend uh, Larry Davis initially and the shootout that followed, he talks about it. Paula Fernandez, hello, Bill, hats off to you for continuing to serve and protect even in retirement. I am now subscribed to you and duty run to amazing. Oh, that's good. What am I, chopped liver, Paula? Come on. <laughs> Hi there, I am from Washington Heights girl, Maritza Diaz, yeah, go, yeah, my grandmother's on, uh, I bump into you, Maritza, my grandmother's on 180th and Broadway, and like I said, you rent an apartment to somebody, you think, how long could they be there? She's been there for almost 60 years. <laughs> I think she's paying three and a quarter now. <laughs> they raised it. <laughs> no one ever used to leave those apartments, especially if they were rent controlled. I've been, the, I grew up my whole life in that apartment. Um, two amazing channels off the cuff and Duty Ron, that is for sure. Duty Ron has a great show as well. Only getting worse, uh, OG Bosgow. So, uh, hey, OG, that, is that original gangster? Is that what the OG is part of that? I don't know. I have no idea. Original gangster Bosgow. That Duty Ron is a loyal guy. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. A good Excellent show. guy. And he's a real loyal to the job you know to the uh, to law enforcement you know? absolutely 100 percent. just yeah. like you are pete oh yeah you know yeah i mean I no, pete, when you not... first retired because you did 21 years right yep. what did you do when you first retired i was writing like 10 years before i retired so i okay. just continued writing articles and then uh and I wrote the, the books of course but you but you never punched the clock job after no. you retired from the police department uh, I would have stayed on the job, but I got hurt. You know, my leg was screwed up. But I uh, took the uh, retirement, and then I uh, started writing uh, books and such. And uh, and it worked out good. It's fine. Michelle always uh, ran a small business, online business, uh, you know, for uh, police promotional stuff, uh -huh. and, uh, for jobs, civil service jobs and that. And so she did that. And, uh, and I wrote a little bit, and she wrote as well. You know, she co-authored the, uh, 
other two books, Behind the Shield, and she uh, co-authored uh, Stress Management. Yeah, you know, it's really nice that, that, that you guys did it together. And then how does that work? You yell out, what's another word for uh, continue? <laughs> then she yells out, go no, on. And then wild. you're like, no, you're like, what's another word for go on? And she's like, continue. All right, that's a good word. It's wild. <laughs> I can only tell you, it's wild. <laughs> side by side. And uh, she's a saint to put up with me, you know, of course. And I, I can't type. You guys can type, you know, uh -huh. uh, when you, you want a job. But the, most of the old guys, the old cops, most of us couldn't type because she used to go up, make your collars when you were young, and then take your arrest upstairs to the uh, squad. And the detectives would do all the uh, backing of the prints and the type and stuff like that. So a lot of the old guys really couldn't type, you know, back You know the what? I always thought that they should have a competition within the NYPD of who was the fastest one-finger typer. Because oh, yeah. when you looked at people typing, nobody, nobody who's on the NYPD ever paid attention in typing class. But you see a whole bunch of dudes like this, just with these two fingers. And they're going really fast, but just with two fingers. Yep. yep exactly. Hey, Duty Run, thank you so much for that $10 super chat. We were calling out to you before. Thank you so much. You're helping out us uh, get a bigger audience. We actually switched over two months ago from Facebook, where we wasted our time for like two years actually it wasn't a waste of time but now we're on youtube where we can actually uh build up a, be a better fan base and actually make a little bit of money so thank you so much duty ron for helping us out uh paula fernandez is all the amazing men and women in blue may you be the tools and the investigative hands of god and continue to serve and protect uh that's very nice of you paula thank you so much for that Drunk, not I am. In my three weeks on the job, and the tiredness, tiredness is setting in. Is I'm in my th three weeks on the job. So, do drunk, not I am. Is uh, sounds like he's doing <laughs> the job. If he's you tired know? after three weeks, he better leave now. <laughs> where, where do you work, you drunk, not I am? Uh, and you really are you really new to the job? And uh, you know what? Anybody who would take the job right now should fail the psych automatically. <laughs> you know, really, like if you're still going through like the whole uh, evaluation thing and you get to the psych and they're like, the first question would be like, why? Why would you want this job right now? They, they, this, they're throwing stuff at you. They're calling you a piece of shit right to your face. You got four years of college. Why would you want this job? Go do yeah, anything was... else. I was telling Bill before, and uh, and uh, I mentioned uh, Chief Blake, Mike Blake, good guy. And I sort of, not to go against you, Mark, but uh, I sort of side with him on that. If I had to go start all over again, I'd take the job again. I'd take the job. You know, there were so many bad things that were happening years back when I was young. You know, the, the Black Liberation Army was killing guys. You know, we had no bulletproof vests. We went on strike. We had the NAP commission, people hated us. We had the, the anti-war, anti-this, anti-police. So it, it was bad, but you know what? You did the best you can, chin up, march ahead, make the- No, listen, I agree with you. I would have still taken a job because if I was anything like the way I was as, as, a, as a teenager, this was probably all I could do. Um, but what I'm saying to you is, isn't and isn't it funny that anybody who would take the job right now, you really have to look at him and go, are you nuts? Do you see the news? Are you not getting the news? 
Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's for the guys who are starting out, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's still a thrill. They're still proud to be NYPD because uh, I tell you, hey, look at you guys, the success that you guys have now. I'd say 75% of all the guys who leave the NYPD do something connected with law enforcement. They open up their private detective agencies. They do shows or whatever, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, acting or something like that. And they all uh, do very well because of coming from law enforcement. So, Pete, uh, did, I, you, did you see the show we did with uh, retired Captain Joe Lisi? Oh, he's the best. What a superstar, right? That guy oh. is the most successful actor of any yeah. NYPD cop ever, I think. This the kid, best. Michael Devine, who we're going to have on this Thursday, he's got a pretty damn big resume, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, He might actually yeah, have a bigger resume. He, well, he'll probably beat Joe Lisi by the time. Joe Lisi's a, 70 uh, years amazing, old now. It's amazing how many phenomenal people have come off the job. Yeah. And all the and we've we've had so many guests that are doing incredible things, um, you know, after the job. Yeah. So exactly. I agree with you. I'm just making a joke. I know. And okay. you know what I'm I saying? Know. And, and it, it, you know, because right now. But listen, when I came on in 92, right, it was the peak of the crack epidemic. You could have said the same thing to me. What the hell is the matter with you? Don't you see what's going on outside? Yeah. There's shootings everywhere. There's crack everywhere. People are getting killed, and I still took the job. So, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's, and let me tell you, years ago, we really had no choice. I was a plumber. I was a construction worker, so I was killing myself. You know, uh, every day I said I can't do this for fifty years. You know, and so I. You know, Pete, it's funny. People yeah. always say, "Oh, plumber, great job." You ever see some of the nasty shit no. a plumber has to do? I wouldn't <laughs> want to be doing that for nothing. No, I, I carried pipe. I carried tubs. Yeah. I, was I killed myself. Exactly. Everyone says, oh, plumbers getting big money. Yeah, we got to no. do what they do. No. I, I, I told my pop, I said, pop, I, I can't do this for 50 years. I'm going to take the police test. And he told me, he says, yeah, but they're going to shoot at you. I says, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I can't carry tubs anymore. I'd rather get shot at than carry pipes upstairs. That's right. I'd rather I'll duck. You know, I'll be careful. Don't you worry, know, the, pop, you know? the, the, the plumbing job, obviously, you were an apprentice. But I had an Italian guy come to the house here, right? And uh, I had a problem with the, with the drainage pipe, the sewage pipe. And old man, guy's got to be, uh, who knows? He picks up the drain outside in my driveway, and he goes in there with his bare hands. And he's like... Yeah, digging out. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Needless yeah. to say, he's he's not getting COVID. That guy. <laughs> hey, I just had a guy. I just had a, a bathroom built in my house, and yeah. the guy who did all the work was sixty-seven years old. And I'm just like, man, I wouldn't want to do the shit you're doing right now. You know, lifting up all kinds of heavy wood and chalkboard and all of that stuff. I'm like. Forget about it, man. Yeah, you know? but you know what? You keep move. You got to keep the body moving. And that guy, all his money's probably going towards his grandkids, so he doesn't mind doing it for a minute. Yeah, you know he's I'm gonna die as soon as he retires. Yeah. He's gonna die. And, and anybody who knows anything that you know, you have kids, and then you, if you're lucky enough, you have grandkids. You know uh, what happens? You know it's it's not work anymore. When it, when it's for somebody else, that's a that's an amazing thing about life. You know, when it's for yourself, it's a big pain in the ass. Yep. But when you're doing it for your kids and you're going out there and, uh, you know, working that overtime shift and this one's going to go for them because they got to get, you don't mind it. It's, it doesn't bother you that much. Yep. 
Exactly. And, you know, and, and the older you get, the more choices you have. If you want to do it, you, you know, you're not, you're not compelled to do it. And uh, so it's nice to have the choice, you know? You know, Pete, I'm sure you were the same as me. My last, uh, well, I, I, my whatever, 10 years, nine and a half years in homicide, I walked around like a zombie because I was always tired because I worked 400 to 450 hours a year overtime. And I taught at a college part-time and I was the Sergeant's Benevolent Association delegate. So I walked around with bloodshot eyes and, you know, all the time because, but I had to make the money, you know? Yeah, I, I, I did my hundreds of hours in street crime. You know me, Bill. Oh, yeah. No, I know you did. I, I was there when you were there. I know you were there. I was I, like, who's this guy with the gross mutton chops? We could wear anything, do anything with the best detail, you know? That's right. It was but, great. Uh, I, uh, I made sure I got my overtime. I made sure all the guys got their overtime. They all collared up. And, uh, and I was also, I was the lieutenant's delegate up in street crime for... Uh, four years. That's right. So, that's right. You know, and, you know, your boss and who you work for. But uh, so that wasn't an easy job. Either. <laughs> I had Frank Cush was my sergeant oh, when I was Frankie, there. Oh, what a good guy. He was a great guy. Great guy. Oh, you know? The yeah. best. Let me tell you, I, I, you know what? I, I think we lost uh, Frankie's uh, wallet. And I'll I tell you the story. So I could you brought up his name already. I'm pretty sure it was Frankie's. We, we borrowed a wallet to do uh, one of the decoys. You know, we put the guys out yeah, against yeah. the wall <laughs> and they put the wallet in the pocket, right? And, uh, God, it's terrible. And, uh, and one of the, it was in midtown Manhattan we were that night. Somebody came along, snatched the wallet, and the guy got away on us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was his old ID in there. Oh, know, my God. You know, Pete, we were actually got we was Frankie. I'm pretty sure we that. actually got a we got a hold of uh, Mary Glatzel, oh, and oh, uh, yeah. but yeah, she's very old right now. I mean, but she for the fans out there, there was a woman who in street crime who was a legend. She was called Muggable Mary, yeah. And she was when they used to do decoy work. She was mugged like I don't know about a thousand times, right? Yep. yep. And real, real dangerous decoy work, like oh. for rapists and stuff. She'd go out there. Yep, and she was a she was a legend. They made a movie about her, right? Yes, yep, a movie, Muggable Mary. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good girl, good girl. She's not that much older. I think she's close to my age. No, no I think she's older than you, Pete. Yeah, I think she's pushing ninety years, now. Couple of years. Yeah, yeah that's more than a couple, Pete. <laughs> yeah, maybe she used to uh, come to uh, the parties, the street crime parties and such, and show up. You know, but her book is great, and her yeah. movie. If you get a chance to pick up that show, and that. That gives you a little bit of background into uh, street crime, you know, the uh, undercover work and that that stuff and the shenanigans. Hey, um, Tim Acosta, my wife and I both retired from the job. My son wanted to go on, and I told him, "No way, he'll graduate next year as a physician's assistant." Oh, okay. <laughs> well, listen, it's it's a little bump in pay. You go from uh, maybe yeah. fifty thousand, sixty thousand to start to one hundred and twenty-five thousand. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how he's going to make it on that. Uh, Marissa Diaz, now I'm retired and watching NYPD on TV almost every day. Gold Coast Girl, hello, Duty Ron, love and respect. Um, I also wanted to, Mike Cologne, MC Audio, author Nascarella would be a great guest for you guys. All right. We'll talk about that later. You, uh, what else we got here? A drunk, not I am. Going through the academy was not was an odd experience because we got sat on our hands for three months 
when they made us shut down for COVID back in March, which is really interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that, but you know, to go through the academy at this point, and um, yeah. I can't imagine doing it virtually. Like every other yeah. class that you take in college, you could do virtually, but there's a lot of uh, stuff in the academy that you, you, it's hands-on. You really got to be there. You got to, yeah. you know, I can't imagine what that was like going yeah. to the academy right now and they shut it down. Now what? And all these young people out there, I, I don't know how many of them got COVID themselves. A lot of them, yeah. A lot of them got, uh, you know. Pete, you know what was a real bad time to come on the job, too, was right before 9-11. Because those kids, were in the, they took them out of the academy early, and they started working, you know, 12, 14-hour uh, shifts. And I don't even know if they were in a precinct yet. You know, a lot of times, you know, you wanted to stay over at the precinct. There were no beds because everyone wanted to stay over, you know? Yeah. And it was crazy. I remember um, Steve Bonanno, God rest his soul, love that guy. He retired as a chief. He was the CEO of the 2-3 during 9-11. And people used to go in that were ma- cops that were married to each other. And they would be go into him and say, Inspector, we, we can't do anything. You know, well, I, can't, I can't work these shifts. We got kids, blah, 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 blah. He, he handed them a packet. And they opened it up and it said, discontinuance of service. And they were like, oh, I'm not quitting. He goes, then get out of my office. I don't want to hear your problems. Your country yeah. was just attacked. Yeah. You know, uh, when I came on in, uh, in uh, I came on April 3rd, 1968, the next day, Martin Luther King got shot. So, and then we ran down, they gave us the guns and this and that and everything else. And, uh, and we were on the street uh, two days after we got appointed, you know, when wow. we at the uh, police academy. So we had no training. We were lined up on the street <laughs> in gray uniforms. Oh, so God. we really had no nothing. We were civilians. <laughs> I was a plumber. <laughs> you had the pipe yeah. over your shoulder. <laughs> I, yeah, the skin was the skin still never came back on that shoulder when I went to my last medical. He said, "What's that?" I said, "That's worn away from carrying pipe." And doctor looked at me and said, "Ah." We're calling plumber Pranzo. <laughs> Anyone so out there a plumber? <laughs> I was a plumber carrying a gun. <laughs> I knew how to put pipe together, but I didn't know anything about police work. You know. So we That's, really, we, we were out for, you know, the 12 hour days, uh, 12 hour, no days off for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks, three weeks, whatever. And then, you know, they were worrying about it. And we went back to the academy for just a few weeks. We like three or four weeks. And then we were out like uh, May or June, we were out on a street for the summer. So we virtually had very, very little training. It was just, you learn on the fly with the older guys, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's so funny. Yeah. But today, you know, they, today there's so much for these kids to learn and, and everything else and, and the new regulations they got in the city. Don't do this, don't do that. And everybody with cameras out there, it, it's a tough go for the kids, you know, but, uh, but they're good at it. They should, you know, and I, 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 my heart goes out to them and I, I wish them all the best because uh, to do the job today is, is, is hard, you know, it, it really is. And a lot of the Absolutely. old guys, the old guys will say, "Oh, we would have kicked their ass, or we would have did this." Yeah, we would have been in jail. You know. Yes, right. Did. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if we did the things today, what we used to do back then, we would we would never survive. Well, video cameras are the game changer. That's uh, yes. That's what changed everything. You know. Yes. Yeah. They 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 see everything. It's social media. It's it's all. Yep. The, you know all that stuff, and so it's it's a difficult job. But you know what it is? It's a job. 
that's that's all I thought about it. You know, yeah, you want to be helpful. You want to help the public. You want to work. You want to work with the community, which we did. Right. Uh, and that's all good. But it's a job. You know, you got paid. You fed your family. You had a house. The white picket fence. You had the pool, two cars. So it was good. And that's that's the basic thing. Your family first, you know? Absolutely. You know what the problem, though, is? Is that you're in the middle of your work. And you're doing everything that you can for the city. And then a situation happens in this modern age where okay, we have to slow things down. We can't do what we were doing because we have to uh, babysit this protest that's eventually going to turn into a riot. And at some point you realize it's not the people from the community that are doing the biggest disruption. They're not the ones uh, who are breaking into the stores for sneakers and, and doing all this crazy stuff. Or at least they're not the ones who are breaking the windows initially. Um, those people are coming from out of state. So that's the problem with policing nowadays is that you're in the middle of, um, you know, being the best cop you can be. And then all of a sudden you're up against elements that, you know, they don't care how good you are as a person. They don't care how much you're helping the community. They're not even from here. I'm here for one purpose. That's to uh, upset and destroy whatever I come into uh, contact with. And then I'll be moving on tomorrow because I have another state to go through to do the same exact thing. And that's the difference between now and then. I just want to shout out to uh, Richard Garcia for a $5 Super Chat. Also, Bill Ryan from Ryan Investigation, $5 Super Chat. And I just wanted to, someone wrote, I've been going on Duty Run's show a lot about the Orin and Orson West case. And DDH Christine, C6 Mom, I'm not biased on the Orin and Orson West case. I'm using my experience uh, to make a judgment call. And what I feel happened is that the parents are lying about everything. And I don't think the kids ever made it to California City House because there's video around there. The kids were never seen there. They asked neighbors. They asked the postman. They asked all kinds of people. So I'm not being biased about my opinion. I'm by working hundreds and thousands of investigations, I'm giving you my educated opinion on what I think occurred. And unfortunately, I don't think the kids are alive. And I could be wrong, but they've been missing now for over 40 days. And the behavior of the parents, uh, their body language when they went on TV, they're hiding something. They're not telling the truth. That is the basis uh, in a nutshell of my opinion. I just want to straighten that out. Well, a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, when you're doing commentary like this, you're acting basically as an analyst. You know, you're not Monday morning quarterback. You're just giving your professional opinion uh, from investigating a lot of homicides, you know, and when we see cases, like, for example, uh, this case has intrigued me. It just came out. There's a missing West Virginia woman found dead in a Walmart parking lot. Uh, She was... uh, she was in the back of her vehicle, which was a 2018 Ford Escape. So that's something that interests me as a former investigator, and I'm sure Bill and you too, Peter. So, you know, I'll be following this case along, and who, who knows, maybe Bill and I, uh, you know, could could jump on it and, uh, and, you know, follow this case along as the investigation builds up and just give, uh, you know, our audience an insight 
just an inside look at to the way the investigators are thinking and why the case is going in, in those directions. So you can't like take it personally, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you just got a hunch, you have a feeling, you're looking at the evidence that that's collected by other in, in, uh, investigators and you're making an analysis. That's it. That's what you're doing. Yeah, well, it's, it's called deductive reasoning and you take yeah. certain things that lead you to a conclusion and of course, myself and Duty Ron and other people that he's had on the show, we are not privy to all the information that the detectives and the investigators have. But based on what we've been allowed to see, we've made certain judgments. And we're not calling saying, oh, look, they are definitely, the parents are definitely the persons of interest. And that's why they lawyered up because they started to feel the heat. But they are definitely the people that, probably in the next few weeks are going to wind up getting arrested. So, yeah. you know, that, I, that's all. I'm, I'm along the same line of thinking when I, when I was uh, reading about it uh, and you're doing a good job, Bill, with that and duty Ron and, and Mark as well. No, uh, and the guest you've had on is terrific uh, because you're opening up a whole social media world where that people can uh, contact you guys, they could contact, I know Duty Ron takes all the tips coming into him as well. Uh, you know it's going to be solved by somebody from the public, probably from social media. So Absolutely. It is, yeah. know, I'm sure that's the way it's going to, it's not going to be, a, it might never be a clear cut thing. My point was that either they sold them, the kids, you know, they were cute kids, they could have given them away, sold the kids, or, or killed them, you know, unfortunately. And it's a very sad situation. It's just that you know, when police work law enforcement, uh, you know these things over and over again. You got to go with what has happened so many times before. And when you have missing kids that young and, and the parents claiming up on it and disappearing and, and no lie. I don't think they took the lie detector test. That's the first thing, you know, Bill. Right. Said, Come mm -hmm. on. We should do that with the regular collars. All the, uh, the collars we took in. I said, look. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Okay, bring in the lie detector test. And the guy says, I'm not taking that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you know, you know that's, that's it. Oh, it's him. It's guilty. It's him. You, you know? bring up a, a, a really interesting point in how social media plays into these investigations and people sitting at home and getting involved. And, you know, you know, I, I have a joke I do in my act about, you know, like my girl solving three crimes at the same time. She's got her laptop open. She's watching uh, Dateline on TV. She's, <laughs> she's got, and she's on the phone too. She, she's a great investigator, and you know. But if um, in regards to the case that I mentioned, and you know, maybe Bill and I will be uh, updating you on this miss, missing West Virginia woman found dead in Walmart parking lot. If you have any information on this, um, here's the number to call. It's uh, in Morgantown Police Department at 304-284-7522, extension zero. And uh, that's the beauty of, of, uh, of social media. I read this yeah. story on Fox News. I got, I, it, it caught my interest. I'm curious about it. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, any leads, any, any information can help. So uh, if you're listening right now and you know anything, you know, give that number a call. Let's, uh, yeah, this, that's why these things are coming to light today because he is back, you know, you never had the social media. So first of all, you never knew what was going on. You, you could never have 
uh, on the world news tonight, all the missing kids and all the murders around the country, all these kinds of things, like you said in Virginia, uh, or the kids in California, two little kids, this, this stuff would never, nobody would know about it. But today with social media, uh, all these different outlets, everybody knows about everything. So they're not watching regular TV programs anymore. They're watching, they're watching these kinds of shows, your show, uh, Duty Ron show. They're watching the shows and, uh, and they're learning. I I'm telling you, these people who watch your show, I'm just shocked uh, that they know so much. Uh, they, they're so savvy as to what's going on. You know? Oh, it's Pete, amazing. you know how many shows there are on the Gilgo case? There's a oh, show on every oh. damn, everyone's an expert on the Gilgo murders. Oh, yeah. They call it the L.A. Lisk, Long Island serial killer. Yeah. And yeah. so many people, I, I had someone that has a show question my and Barbara Butch's credentials. I was almost like, please, let's not even go there. <laughs> let's not even go there, all right? Yeah, you're, that's you're, you're doing a show based on watching TV and you're questioning a 27-year homicide sergeant and and the chief of the OCME, Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, uh, she was the, the acting chief there, and they're questioning her. What she said wasn't true. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'll go yeah. with what you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, we, we had a people that joined on late, so I just want to uh, let them in on the big news. Bill and I have, uh, we have our first sponsor, and um, so... Listen up, guys. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City hot sauce is made in small batches with pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City hot sauce. There are several flavors from mild to wild. You got to see the labels. Each sauce has awesome original artwork. And uh, just to display, this is the, the killer hot um, so you get that. The artwork on it is pretty cool, man. And uh, this is Slurp. Look at the artwork on that. Uh, they also have, uh, check out Bob's Biggs Chipotle, Aztec Attack, Badass Jew, which I'm betting is the best one out of the whole bunch because uh, Jews know how to eat. Uh, <laughs> climate Change, Maple Dragon, Killer Hot and Ghost Whisper. Go to Silk City Hot Sauce. Silk City Hot Sauce, one word, dot com. And you'll get a 15% discount if you put in OTC. That's your promo code, OTC. And uh, guess what? You'll also get a free bottle of cherry sriracha. If you're interested in advertising with us, we're taking uh, all comers, no matter what you got, just as long as it's legal. <laughs> Please email us at OTCPOD, off the cuff, OTCPOD1gmail.com. And, uh, Bill, you want to give a shout out to, uh, some of the people that, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of great people on our channel now, mostly due to uh, duty Ron, Dawn Marie, OG Bosgel, David Herbsman, Aaron Sandlin do of course, duty Ron MC audio. That's, uh, Mike Cologne, who's a great broadcaster in his own right. DDH, Christine C6 mom, um, uh, who uh, Mary Martins, um, Aaron, Aaron Sandler, David Herbsman again. Too many people almost that I can call out. But, uh, of course, Bill Ryan and all you yeah. people that are giving us these super chats. I just wanted to make one other announcement. Tomorrow night I have a uh, on Real Crime Stories, I have a fantastic guest. 
and her name is Nancy Rommelman, and she's a she's a writer, and she actually interviewed John Wayne Gacy while he was on death row, and she went to visit him. Uh, it was in, in 1994. She also has a best-selling book called um, To the Bridge, and it's about a, a mother who threw both her kids off a bridge in, uh, in uh, Oregon, and one of them died and one of them lived. The most interesting thing that she's done recently and wrote about it for a magazine is she went undercover with Antifa in Portland for five months, and she's going to tell that tale. Wow. So she's going to be on my show tomorrow night, but she's also going to be on Duty Ron's show Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. So tomorrow at 7, I'll get her warmed up, and uh, Duty Ron will uh, interview her again at 10 o'clock on, on Wednesday night. And that's Nancy Rommelman. You can um, Google her, nancyrommelman.com, and see what she's up to. She's written several books. Thursday night on Police Off the Cuff with Mark and I, we have a retired NYPD sergeant, 22-year veteran, and one of the best actors now, another great actor, Michael Devine. And he's, Mark, tell him what some of his credits are. Well. <laughs> oh, I put you on the spot. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a great show. Um, you know, every, every TV show that you can imagine, he's been on, you know, Law and Order, he's been on Blue Bloods, he's been on all the police shows, but he's also was just on that HBO show with um, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. I, I forget called, the name uh, of it right now. Uh, hold on one second, I'll tell it to you. It's a, it's a, it's Uprising or something like that. It could uh, be, but I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. Freak. Yeah, you caught that was a good one that you did there, right there. <laughs> yeah, I caught you. I caught you without with, with your pants well, down, as they right say. Now. You know. Uh, well, uh, the well, the It's called the Undoing. The it's, Undoing, right? Exactly. It's a it's a mini series, and it's very very popular. And, and um, Nicole Kidman's in it. Um, but if you look at his IMDb page, yeah. which actually Peter Pranzo has an IMDb what, page too, but he's got like. Two or three pages, just like um, Joe Lisi did. You know, yeah, got I have so many IMDb credits. Page, I got like maybe sixteen to twenty credits. This guy's got. It seems like a hundred. Uh, one of the big ones is Wolf of Wall Street. That that was that's uh, right. Yeah, one of his uh, and uh, Blue Bloods. He's a regular on that. He's been on a bunch of stuff. The point is, is that he's he's a much better, he's much more progress, progress actor than neither one of us are. We put all three of our. Credits. I just have. I just have. Um, my the perfect murder i did six episodes that's about the end of my acting career you know that was my big debut playing uh i, I was playing myself a couple of times but playing a detective <laughs> yeah i was actually pleasantly surprised when i looked at mine and um you know it was like you know more than you know 12 there's probably like 16 there. and then you know you take you take it into account like all right things aren't that bad i guess Macosta, thank you so much for that $10 super chat. We're getting rich here doing this show with Peter, and we're having fun with Peter Pranzo. You know, one night we have to have Richella on with you. We'll have the husband and wife. We'll give her her own square, too, Pete. Yeah, she'll have her own square. You hear that, Rochelle? They want to give you your own square. It's like Hollywood Squares, this show. That's right. You know, you know the beauty of it is, is that, like, uh, that kind of. Um, you know, a marriage like that is people are still getting married, which baffles me. 
and they're getting married during the corona. It's like, dude, if you could have one excuse to get out of a wedding, like it's like, I want to marry you. I love you, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. I can't give you the wedding you deserve. <laughs> you deserve every, it, 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 why don't we just wait? Like Let's you can, call it off. There's people still getting married right now. And all they really want to do is achieve what you have. Like, as long as there's a couple of couples that we can strive for, we can, you know what? That's our goal. Fish, you know what I'm saying? Down. Hang on. Yeah, come over. Just say come hello. Come over, Richella. Say hello. Come on. Here's, here's, you guys have been married how long? Hi, everybody. Hi, Richella. How long have you guys been married? 50? 52 years, I think, this year. Wow. It's Richella's birthday tomorrow. Yes. Oh, come on. Wow. Okay. Still beautiful after all those years, right? Yeah. It's and okay. being a cop's wife is a, you take a beating, right? No, I don't mean yes. physically, but it's a no. tough thing mentally. No, if it was physically, I wouldn't be here. No. That's right. <laughs> we're the same age tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, for, a for a little while. For, same a, age. for a couple of months. Yeah. For six months. You guys look fantastic, yeah, man. When you were talking about uh, how we write together and what have you, I said, I wrote in the little chat, that, that's a topic for another whole, another whole episode. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so. But That's we made great. it, but it's always good to see you guys. I always listen to you. Enjoy. Have a good night. Thanks, Richella. Good Thank to so see much. you. <laughs> 52 years, Pete. That's 52 amazing. 52 years. God. Yeah. yeah. Did you put in an overtime slip for her, too, when you uh, oh. worked all it? <laughs> oh, God, man. That OT slip, I was good at that, you know? That's right. That's right. Oh, my right. God. First thing, we get the food because we eat on overtime, like you know, right? So we made sure we ate good after all the arrests. Everybody was in the cell area and we made sure everybody was fed. They were watered. They got all their soda and all this shit. And then we would uh, send out for our food and then we would munch. You know, we eat and relax. <laughs> munch, I love it. And <laughs> we would fill out the overtime slip, you know, fill them all out ahead of time. What time are you going? Okay, that's all, so all set. The slips are all made out. <laughs> Who got medals? All right, let's write that up. This is good. You got three guns, two guns, one gun. We'd write <laughs> it up so it's fresh in your mind, you know? And the guys got medals. It was all good, you know? We had a lot of fun. Crazy, yeah. but fun, you know? Duty Ron, thank you so much for that $20 super chat. You're the man. Thank you. And Tim Acosta for the $10 super chat. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. You know, I was looking at a picture uh, somebody posted on social media. And it was them in narcotics and they were, it looked like they were in a, an office or there was some light. So they might've been in a garage somewhere, some narcotics setup where all the guys and they, you could see they just got bagels. One guy's got a bagel. The other guy's by the table making, and it's just, uh, nobody's really posing for the picture, but I knew exactly where, they were in their state of mind like as a unit as a group of people yeah. having uh the breakfast together the bagels all together that's something that you can never people will never understand you know like before a big operation where you get your coffee and you get your bagel and then we're going to go hit this location yeah, it's, it's camaraderie it's a, like a ritual like right yeah, yeah. it's really it's, like it's a tough. ritual that you know togetherness of almost like a family you know yeah yeah I just couldn't let my guys, when, we, when they had the narcotics team, they were all, all tough guys, you know, big like you guys and tough and they could run. And uh, I would <laughs> never let them eat that much. 
because if they ate, they couldn't run. They couldn't run. So you know, Pete, I, I always believed in, I don't chase anyone unless I chase them with a Chevy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, these guys, I, I had, uh, in that team there, I had four black cops, and uh, they could, I mean, they could shoot, hit, run, catch anybody, and then uh, I had four white guys who were just about almost as fast, but I just, we just, I said, no, boss, I'm starving. Have a cup of coffee. We'll eat. I promise you, we'll send it, we'll go to the Bronx. And we'll send them for a food run in the Bronx, the deli, and they send all the antibas and all the food back. But uh, I said, okay, now, and they, they appreciated that. I said, come on, let's all collar up. Let's get this done so we can eat, you know? Yeah, you know what's funny about uh, chasing people and, pe you know, everybody runs. I remember going up to one time, there was a, we were looking for a guy on a warrant. And we see the guy matches the script. He's on a phone. He's on a pay phone. And he was really heavy. I mean, the guy was probably 200 pounds overweight. He was obese. He was really, really fat. So we go up to him. It's just me and my partner. My partner's like kind of sort of on the side of the phone booth. We're being nice. And I'm like, hey, buddy, hey, just I, I show him my shield. What, what's your name? And he goes, oh, my name is so. And he puts the phone down and then he takes off. And he was so fat and he was so slow. I looked at my partner, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? So, <laughs> so then he's running full speed and I'm like walking and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Where are you going? You're never going <laughs> to. It was so funny, like how slow he was and he thought he was going to get away. I was running backwards, basically. And telling him, okay, enough is enough. Calm down. You know, my, my last two weeks on the job, I went to the 2-3 because I had worked there for years in the squad. And I said to two guys, Detective Freitag, who's now on homicide, the Detective Pat, who's been on our show a lot, said, let's go right, let's go right around. Like, let's do a little anti-crime work in our suits, you know. We didn't expect to get anything. It's like going fishing. We didn't expect to catch any fish, you know. So we're riding around. We hear a blood-curdling scream. This woman is screaming and we look and her husband's getting the shit beat out of him. He's getting robbed, you know? So we go up the street and Freitag gets out and the guy runs into the side street. We didn't even hesitate. Detective Pat just hit the gas, went a hundred yards past the guy. We got out, pulled up our ties. The guy's booking to us. He runs 10 feet away, pull our guns. Police! He's like, oh shit. Now he's all winded. We're fresh as a daisy. Slapped the cuffs on him, and uh, we gave the arrest to patrol. The young cop was like, how'd you guys get that? He never saw an observation robbery yeah. arrest in his young career, you know? That's right. He, he probably wrote it up, too. He, he you left out the it. other part. <laughs> you never get out of the car too early. That's right. That's right. Don't, don't jump out too early. The don't car is too early, the, done. <laughs> the car is, is your friend. That's yeah. <laughs> the car is your friend. All right. Uh, so here we are, man. Uh, we're at a, an hour 15. So uh, you, you plugging anything? You working on a new book there? Just uh, working on Harlem Raiders. We have a few things going on. I was explaining to uh, Bill before we got on the air. I can't mention any names, any show companies, movie companies and such. Uh, but there's a company now uh, that is looking to do a documentary about the team, the narcotics team, the Raiders, the Harlem Raiders. So Martin Scorsese's on? Is oh that what at least? I mean, this, this is going to be big. You, maybe, maybe you're going to be Pete two times. Hey, oh, can I have some meatballs? Hey, can I have some oh. meatballs? <laughs> you saw that in Goodfellas, right? No, we have no contract. I have a contract with my entertainment company that uh, 
the sponsors me. But uh, as far as this, I, I can't mention the name right now because there's no contract with these people. But the, the virus, like you know, Mark, you, you had a big job coming up for yourself, an acting job. It put everything on hold. Uh -huh. But the, uh, the film company, a documentary company, is one of the biggest in America. And they love the team, the diversity of the team, the black, the white cops, the uh, black community leader, and, and what we accomplished and such. So it's based on the Harlem Raiders. We're keeping our fingers crossed that that comes this year, this friggin' pandemic. My fingers are crossed too, my friend. Yeah, I told him I got guys. I got That's guy, right, Mark man. He's going to get us some, he's gonna get us some work, Mark. Mayo. I got Phil Tanner. <laughs> well, yeah. I got Listen, Joe Lisi. I got guys. I got the Turns family. The boss. I'm your guy. Oh, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Pete, I just want to say you're one of the nicest guys in the two years that we've been doing this. You're one of the nicest guys we met Yeah, uh, as I mean, a guest. Really, you're you're salt of the earth. Great, great man. You know, a lot of people were saying that they admire, uh, on the chat, they, they admired how, um, regardless of how much I busted your chops, but the recruits and people taking the job and stuff like that, that you stuck to it, man. You believe it's a, it's... It's an admirable it job. I do, I do. I'm just saying. I know. You it's need just, to get yeah. your head checked if you're going to take the job right now. You know, Mark, um, so Duty Ron asked us to go over our Patreon, you know, the tiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget so, to do uh, we, we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash police off the cuff. The first level for $7 a month is called The Bucket because that's what you belong in, a bucket, if you only spend 7 bucks a month to see us. The second tier... For $9 a month, it's called Polish My Rack. And you actually get to see my rack, and you can polish it. And the third one, $11 a month, he's, and Pete's holding it up there, dipped in butter. And that's, you want to dip them in butter, and that's for sure. And that's $11 a month. So join up and get them dipped in butter. You can dip whatever you want in butter. I'm not telling you what to dip. <laughs> and also, too, if you want some really, really great hot sauce, don't forget about Silk cityhotsauce.com that's our new uh sponsor silk city hot sauce put your promo code in otc and get a 15 percent discount plus a free bottle of cherry sriracha they have great flavors it's all natural stuff and uh, it's delicious anything else bill i think that's about it man I, I hate to say goodbye to pete you know we gotta you know we gotta have him on again once his book gets picked up for a movie hey. yeah pete you're always welcome by the it's, way. My, it's, it's getting near my bedtime now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Pete, was that an orderly I saw walking behind? He's going to grab you. <laughs> it's medication time. <laughs> they got to medicate him before he goes to bed. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, it's been an honor again and a privilege. I appreciate you having me on and all the plugs and everything else. You guys are the best. You're doing terrific. The show is great. It's off the charts. And, uh, and you're doing a good deed for law enforcement and for helping out the children, the missing kids, and, uh, and the cases that are still going on. Thanks, so, Pete. On, on behalf of Rochelle and myself, thank you very much. You're always welcome, Mom. We love having you. We'll, we'll plug whatever you need. Um, you know, once Scorsese, uh, Scorsese bites, let us know. Stop <laughs> plugging. You got it. You got it. Uh, good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Love you. Bye. Take care, man. Thank you.